wow, time flies. Yes and no, because actually, 15 isn't that many. It's so many. You it's think not, it's a lot? No, I don't it's think not. it's a lot at all. We're not even in the hundreds yet. <laughs> well, welcome to Sugar Facts, episode 15. I promised you. Thanks episode for making, 15. Yeah. Thanks for the dinner, the soup. No worries. Thanks for the Proust. Yeah, Marcel Proust. Yeah, that's really good. Right? You know what I mean? It's like a little pastry. Yeah, yum. Episode 15, wherein we will be discussing... Should we say this? No, we don't. Yeah, we should start doing that, I think. Yeah? Maybe. Doesn't it kill the whole... It does, but don't we kill the skit already? (laughs) Okay, so, for the sake of the recording... Yes. This is the game that we're about to play. Okay, we're doing that. Brian and I are going to do a World War I fact off. World War I was the war before... World War Two. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I know. It's a bit of humor. Um, so we've each prepared 10 facts. Yeah. We're going to alternate asking a question. And you need to assess, the other person needs to assess whether or not that is a true fact or a lie. And they have three questions in their arsenal throughout the game that they can probe for further information. If the questioner doesn't have that information, they have to be upfront about it. Mm-hmm. If they do have the information, they have to give it. And each question, if you, if I tell you a fact and you guess correct, correctly mm-hmm. that it's true, mm-hmm. I take a shot of gin and tonic. If you guess incorrectly, then you take the shot. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I feel like each question should just be open to discussion. Yeah. Outside I mean, of make the it more context the of the game. Of and, yeah. and, and the people listening. Who? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot we're wait, doing what? this for the listeners. Oh, wait, wait, I wait. haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. So, I've been thinking a lot lately about sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like, um, well, I feel like that's the point of this podcast. Right. Yeah. So what I'd like so, to do tonight like is something, maybe something a little bit different. All right. Hit me. What I've done is I've assembled 105 facts about sugar. Wow. And I'd like to go through each one in depth. Uh-huh. And cite, cite oh sources, God. footnotes. Listen in, everyone. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be gonna good. It's going to get pretty intense. This is going to be intense. So 105 facts about sugar. Without further ado, fact number one. Okay. Just before you start. I'm, but I'm ready, though. Yeah, but I know. But I've got a fact. I've got it actually. It's all here though. It's like right I'm in front of me. So the easiest I, thing in the world just, right I now would bet, be for me to I just. I bet you do. But I've actually been thinking a lot about World War One, Brian. Oh God. And I want to hit you with a fact. Not this again. I want to hit you with a fact or falsehood about World War One. What is it about World War One that you find so fascinating? Basically, because it's just one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Do you get it? well, I don't, you think they would have done a sequel. Get it? You think they would have made a sequel. <laughs> I know, but instead they just sort of didn't win a separate World War II, like a whole separate thing. Oh, you just ruined the joke. <laughs> you just completely ruined the Spot joke. on it, rub my heel in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of your attempts at humor. Oh, hold on. You gotta make some gin and tonic. Yeah, exactly. Some punishment G&T. Um, more people died... In the 1918 flu epidemic, than in the war in World War One, more people died. A lot of people died in World War One, but more people died from the flu in 1918. Which flu are you talking about? The flu epidemic. What's the name of it? I don't know. Wasn't it called this? Wasn't it Spanish influenza? Is that what? It, no, I think. I don't know. Was it? Yeah, maybe. You could look it up too. <clears throat> That's a thing. No. Nah. The internet works. No, nah, I'll let you just dwell on it. Okay. 
Well, I think that was, I think it was the Spanish flu. Okay. And that you, sounds about right. Okay. I remember the Spanish flu being in the teens. In between. Yeah. Okay. So we'll say that. And I know a lot of people died from it. Also, I know that, that it was, it was unjustly characterized as the Spanish flu. Right. I think that's why I only know it as the flu epidemic. I think it's since been reworded. As the flu epidemic. Oh, and this, I hang out in very anti-Spanish circles. I know. Yeah. yeah, I know you do. Whereas I try and keep it a little bit more uh, PC. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to call it the 1918 flu epidemic. Okay. What do you reckon, Bri? Fact or falsehood? Oh, that's definitely a fact. Uh-huh. You're right. Some 15 to 20 million military and civilians, military people and civilians died in World War One. How many people do you think died of the flu after the end of Can World you, War Sorry, I was doing something else and not yep. listening. Can you say it again? Some 15 to 20. I'm still doing the other thing I was doing. So do you want me to just wait? Just, keep, just say it and then just like do it like a loop. And then on one of the loops, I'll, I'll be You'll jump in. Great. This is awesome. Uh, some 15 to 20 million military people and civilians died in the war. How many people do you think died of the flu in 1918? 75 million. Ah, well, you're wrong. And you overshot it, which means this fact doesn't sound as crazy. <laughs> Between 40 and 50 million people died of the flu. I love stories like that. Like, yeah, you, you, you upped it. Thing. You upped it. Yeah. But have we ever talked about that? That's something I sometimes do on purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We haven't talked about it, but oh. I can see you doing that. Yeah, yeah. I call it a still good. So if someone's bragging about something, yeah. you jump in and exaggerate how good the thing is. Like, oh, my God, and then did you do this? And then they have to be like, oh, no. <laughs> and then you go, oh, that's still good. Um, by Bring the way, we're to. playing for 1,000, 1,000 NT. Uh-huh. And I have just gone on the scoreboard with one, one point. One point, yep. So I now need to take a shot of this gin and, tonic. Of gin and tonic. Okay. Make it count. Do a real shot. Okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll take turns marking the score sheet. Great. That sounds fun. Yeah, I wouldn't want your hand to get sore from all the Brian points. All right. Do you have a fact about World War I, Brad? I do. All right. My first fact is this. During World War I, British tanks yep. were initially categorized into males and females. You. <laughs> <laughs> Male tanks had cannons while females had heavy machine guns. The cannons were to be used to nullify enemy gun emplacements, machine gun nests, and so on. The machine guns were anti-personnel weapons. The reason for using the terms male and female was simply a way of distinguishing between... Oh, sorry. Was simply that a way of distinguishing between the types was needed for administrative purposes. The terms were chosen because they were short and familiar words which gave nothing away. The tank with the six-pounder cannon was called male because of the supposedly phallic protruding gun barrel. There was no equivalent on the female. It was simply the opposite of male. Questions? No. I think that's a true fact about World War One, okay. Brian. You know what? Enjoy this because it's the only point you're going to get for the rest All right. of the game. I guarantee you. Take a drink. I figured, I figured you knew that one already. Yep. Can I ask a bonus question? Yeah, go for it. Let's let's now open the floor to bonus questions, and you can earn bonus let's bonus change, points. You know what? Let's change the rules as we go. Yeah, I love that. Um, <clears throat> the first tank, Little Willie. The first prototype of a tank was called Little Willie. Yep. And he was a male tank. 
What's happening here? True or false? Oh, this is a bonus question. This is a bonus question. Uh, the false. first prototype? False. The first really? thing, prototype was called mother, and she was male. She was male or she was female? Male. Okay. We read different things. <laughs> I read that the first prototype, Little Willie, was a female tank. Isn't that curious? Because I read that the first prototype was called Mother and was a male tank. Oh, I guess we both drink. Fog of War. Internet. We both drink. Okay. Did you mark down your point? Yep. And then because we both got points then, I'll mark those points okay. down. Um, okay. Follow-up bonus question. <laughs> good, good. We're f- and this is now an open-ended. You have to tell me the year. Sure. It was either 1915, yep. 16, 17, or 18. Don't tell me what to guess. Which year was it decided? If I want to say 1987 at this point, true. I'm going to do it. That's I'm just going to do it. In which year was yeah. it decided that tanks should be hermaphroditic? God damn it. I know this one. 1917. Uh, 16, 16, 1916. 18. Damn it. I was nah. going to say that. Yeah, 1980, they decided to do away the gender yeah. of oh, tanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that mean Look, you get a we'll, point? We'll, No, no, no. We, we'll just call that a fun one. No, no, take your point. All right. You're going to need it. Um, I have another follow-up. Good, thank God. You know what? This is just context to the tanks. Do you know why they called tanks tanks? Yes. Why? Because they, because, first they called them land ships. Correct. And then tanks, I think it was had something to do with, like, to confuse the enemy, thinking that they were, like, actually, like, water tanks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They right? wanted, they started calling them tanks because they wanted um, the enemy to think that they were vehicles carrying mm. water tanks. Yeah. Super interesting. God, we know a lot about World God, we're War so into it about the same facts. Yeah. All right. Cool. That was a good. That was a good round. If you want, we can. We, maybe we should just change the whole podcast to World War One facts. <laughs> no, I think we're doing really well with niche. sugar facts. Yeah. <laughs> Women mm-hmm. were officially banned from playing on football league grounds, like soccer, mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. Women were officially banned from playing on football league grounds. In 1921. You get one follow-up question per question, so it's up to you. Well, first of all, I'd like to know what this has to do with World War One. Okay, that's your question? No, it's a statement. No, I won't tell you. <laughs> but it does, though. You can use that. It does. Of course, it's all related. of these have something to do with World War One. Yeah. You, I mean, how about this? Why don't, we, why don't we establish, like, do you know when the war ended? Yeah. 20? 15 to 20? Fucking around. Wasn't it April? Wasn't it 14 to 20? No, dude. When was it? it 19. Was 18. Fuck. Well, whatever. So how has something happened in 1921 related to the war? It's related. Really? And I'll tell you why <laughs> when you answer the, the question. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. 18, so it's 14 to 18. Yeah. Okay. Was- now I know the more you know. Women were banned from football fields in 1921. Is that yep. what you said? Yep. False. They were banned before that. Interesting... What, do you want to change your answer? I almost do. It's too late. Okay. So uh, it's actually true. And the reason this is related, so basically. What did I say? You said false. So a oh, I'm sorry. I meant true. <laughs> Fuck up. Um, it's the reason it's relevant. Yeah. So while the men were away at war, See, young women who worked in munitions factories organized and played games against rival factories, often on the grounds of professional football yeah. clubs. They, like, kept it alive. Yeah. 
And then it took until 1921 for them to have to like literally write. Obviously, I guess it wasn't a ban before. It was just like a given that women wouldn't play football. But because of the war, women started playing football. So they had to like come in and unbalance it again. Yeah. Yeah. So 1921, women were officially banned from playing on football league grounds. Um, prior to that, they weren't officially banned. It was just, they just assumed. It was just assumed women don't know how to do well, sports. they didn't have time because they were knitting. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, you remember that you're going to have to uh, make. Did you drink? No, I had to more. You're going to have to make some up, though, too. Right? Your, yours can't all be yeah. true. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to know. I'm aware. I mean, I think I see it. I'm sensing a pattern. So they're true so far? All of Maybe true I'm lulling you into a Maybe. sense of false security. Maybe. Okay. This is it's my turn? Yep. Okay. The most successful fighter pilot in the war was a Jamaican pilot named Desmond Livington, nicknamed One Drop. He was only 16, but managed to shoot down 160 planes. He was shot down over Paris in 1918, in the waning days of the war. Although presumed dead, persistent rumors surfaced that he had miraculously survived the crash, went into hiding, and resurfaced in 1943 as the savior of the 12th arrondissement. Neighborhood for all you non-French. This mysterious figure, the savior, was believed responsible for successfully saving over 600 Jews during World War II. The method employed by the savior involved blackface, wherein he covered those under his care with shoe polish and passed them off as visiting exchange students from the Caribbean. The savior taught them to speak with a Jamaican patois in the event they were ever interrogated. I'm confused now. Yeah. So he was a fighter pilot in World War One. So this guy, uh, Desmond Livington. Yeah. He was 16. He was the most successful fighter pilot. He took down 160 planes. So he was shot down over Paris. In World War One. Yeah, in 1918. So everyone just assumed he was dead. They didn't find his body, oh. apparently. And then, so rumors surfaced that he was actually this other guy, which emerged in 1943, the savior, who saved a bunch of Jews. Is that just because this other guy was also Jamaican? They're like, there's only one Jamaican in Europe? I mean, is that, is that an official question? No. When he was a fighter pilot in World War One, on for which country did he fight a pilot for? The UK. The UK or Britain? Britain. The one that owned Jamaica at the time. Because Jamaica was a colony. Mm, so it was Estrella. Okay. And interesting. And that is kind of fucking interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture. The second question is like conjecture. Am I saying it's true that he was the second person? I think you could. I think you could listen carefully. To what I said. <laughs> Max, keep all this in because this is fucking good listening. Although um, presumed dead, persistent rumors surface. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm just saying whether or not this whole look. If you want to question survivors of the Holocaust, be my guest. I uh, don't think that's what I was doing. If you I think shout. I think this Jamaican fighter pilot yes. is a real person. Okay, is that your answer? I think you've given me a true fact. I've made the whole thing up, one hundred percent. Wow, cool. Isn't that good? Yeah, really good. Well done. I'm happy to lose that one. <laughs> oh, I kind of wanted it to be true. Yeah. He, he yeah, but like put them in blackface. Yeah. And taught them to speak like Jamaicans. Because <laughs> they were visiting exchange students. People did crazy shit back then. All right. Good job. How do you have fucking four points, by the way? 
Bonus question. This is bullshit. No, I'm taking control. Of Bonus this. question. This is bullshit. I, I, I knew. I knew I shouldn't have given you control of the pencil. <laughs> It was the bonus questions that really helped me out. Well, and then, oh, you, then I get a bonus You told question. me. You were like, take them. You'll need them. Well, I get one. I get a bonus why? question. Why? Okay, ask a bonus question. So, how, like, how did they, why did, why did the rumors start about this guy? About Desmond? Uh, because, wait, so what, how do I answer the question? <laughs> no, I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you a bonus question. Yeah. And then I have to tell you the answer. About my facts. Yeah, yeah. the whole thing's fake, though. So how am I going to tell you? All right, so I get a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the war, World War One. I, I think you'll know this one. I also knew which war you were referring yeah. to too. The war sparked the invention of rhinoplasty. <laughs> All right, I'm just trying to think how many rhinos were in the war. Done. Hey, welcome Here to Sugar That's why you listen. <laughs> True. Correct. The war was responsible for the invention of plastic surgery. British Army surgeon Harold Gillies pioneered the reconstruction of soldiers' faces after they'd been literally torn apart by shrapnel. This was a horrifically common occurrence as trench warfare protected the soldiers' bodies on the front line but that left their heads vulnerable to enemy fire. This was all happening at a time before the development of antibiotics. So soldiers were taking a huge risk in undergoing an operation to fix their faces. Gilly's Hospital had no mirrors, and because it took so long for a successful pa- facial reconstruction, some of his patients went years without seeing their own reflections. Mm. Crazy. All right. That's point. cool. That's a point for me. Point C. So, so far, you're three for three. All of them are true. Okay. Well, you knew that. Did you know this? This is more like, anyway. <laughs> the war left thousands of soldiers horrifically maimed. Reconstructive surgery was in such a primitive state that many opted to just wear masks. In the U.S., a brief fad swept the nation after the war, which involved maimed soldiers wearing masks of the Kaiser. Oh. Often grotesque caricatures of the Kaiser. Uh, These masked soldiers would go from door to door demanding food or else. As rationing was still in effect, the only food most households had a ready supply of was hard candy. Though the fad only lasted less than a month, it eventually morphed into modern-day trick-or-treating. Very interesting. I didn't know this. Right? Is that because it's fake? Uh, hold on. It's fake. Follow-up? No, it's fake. We, we read the same article. Yeah. You probably just got bored and stopped reading. That was the next paragraph. It's fake. You've made this up. Why? Why are you because so it sure? didn't happen this way. That's not how trick or treating was invented. How did it start then? It started because in 1651. You're full of it. <laughs> I just think it's fake. Do you really? Yeah. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. I'm excited. You're, huh? You can change it if you want. I'm not. I think you've made this up. <laughs> I think the reason I think it's fake yeah, yeah. is not because I know the history of trick or treating, right. but because I know that Halloween was very recently and I think you looked at like. A fucking the Halloween <laughs> collection bucket on the table, and uh-huh. you're like, I've got it. I it's did. very creative. I really respect your creativity. <laughs> it's nothing about that. I just think I know you, and I think you would make something like really that. because think about it though. If you if you think about it, think about it's how, fake. Think about it for a second. I think it's fake. Think about how true this is though. Because hard candy. Why would people have heaps of hard candy in their houses? Sugar was like one of the most rational things. God damn it. Fake, 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 fake. fake. Very good fact, though. 
convincing. And if I was dumber, <laughs> damn well, that's kind of what I was counting on. Yeah, shit. To be fair, I believed in blackface on Jews. So, <laughs> all right, some of them have to fake. Ah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is this a ruse, though? Throw me off the scent. Perhaps. <laughs> fuck. All right, no, no, fuck, fuck, shut up, fuck. I've got. Here's this. what I'm willing to do. No, I Joe, can do it. Inter- no, no, no. Let- I've got it. I've got. I've got one. Listen. Here's Wait. what I'm. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to give you twelve minutes. I don't need it. I've got to quietly it. go off in the corner and no, work on some it. of your. I don't need it. I don't need it. German trenches <laughs> had doorbells. <laughs> oh, I mean that's it. That's it. But you've got more information. Why don't you go I'm ahead and ask, tell you me ask that. your follow-up question? No, no, I want to hear more. I'd like to hear more. I don't have more. You literally don't have more. That's me being honest. I don't have more. German trenches had doorbells. Doorbells, yep. Sure, I mean, yeah, I, I do have some questions. Okay. When you say doorbells, do you just mean bells? I mean, they had doorbells. Okay, well, that implies doors. Maybe they had doors in the trenches. Is that what you're implying? Is that what you're stating, though? You're saying I'm, they had I'm doors. Giving you, I'm giving you what I have. Well, no, because I don't want to be tripped up in semantics here, all right? A thousand NT we're playing for, all right? Serious shit. Oh, you yeah. go, you go find more information about this, or pretend to find more, because it's a very different thing to say that there were the little bell. There was a bell system, as opposed to like ding dong. Oh, <laughs> I would just open the door I, now. I think it was more ding ding ding. I hope it's not. Like they kind of those upbeat. I hope it's not a British soldier, because that's how that's how class was killed. A package, package delivery from uh, the Kaiser. So you want to know if it's electric bells or no, doorbells? No, I'm not a moron. Please respect me <laughs> and my intelligence. I want to know if when you say doorbells, that that includes the door. I can only tell if they had doorbells. <laughs> God damn it. Because if you're going to say they had bells, then yes, that's true. I know that that's true. That they had bells in the trenches. I have a collection of German World War One trench bells. Okay, so in that case, you think it's true? Yeah, I definitely think it's true. You think it's true? Yeah, I know it's true. You reckon they had doorbells in the trench? I reckon they had bells. They, like, no, doorbells? Like doorbells? Well, God, see, this is bullshit. You can't mix up truth and fact. You gotta, it's either all true or all false. You told me, Those are the new rules. You told me I had to have some fake ones. So I say it's false. Ah, are you fucking with me? God, well, no, what I'm saying is... You told me to put fake ones in What I'm saying is... I'm not is, saying this one's fake. I'm just saying you can't just suddenly change. No, no, no. Here's your, This is a new rule. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't be like, oh, Kaiser Wilhelm's dog was named Schnuffles. No, haha, it was named Schnuffles. Okay, I'm not doing that to you. I'm, de- I'm telling you what I'm able to find out. Doorbells. 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 Because how could there be doors? Where were the doors? Where they were the doors and trenches. Leading to where? So trenches often had rooms built off the side. Well, this is good. Yeah. True. You think it's true? Now I think it's true. Fuck. Now you fucked it up, man. Yeah. Is it true? It's true. <laughs> God damn it. I thought I had you there. Uh, German trenches were built to last. Furnished with bunk beds, cupboards, water tanks with faucets, electric lights. And doorbells. All right, point to blind. Oh, let's see. We are currently moving into question number four. The score is even, tied, five five. Yep. Was that your fourth question? I lost track. Okay, here's my fourth one. Okay. You're gonna love this one. The United States involvement in World War One began a massive anti-German movement in the country. Around four thousand German Americans between 1917 and 1918 were placed in internment camps. 
Another 250,000 were forced to register as German immigrants and were given cards that specified their status that had to be on their person at all times. Everyone was eager to distance themselves from German loyalties, sometimes to ridiculous degrees. The term hot dog replaced the very German-sounding Frankfurters. It was deemed unacceptable during World War I to use Frankfurter. In some places, they were called Liberty Sausage. Likewise, a popular dish at the time, Hamburg Steak, was rebranded Salisbury Steak. In 1918, the Federal Food Administration received a petition to rename sauerkraut Liberty Cabbage. Dealers, farmers, and grocers pointed to the steep decline in sauerkraut consumption since the beginning of the conflict and testified that in order to reestablish the popularity of their product, they needed to give it a name that Americans would be proud to use. People also no longer wanted to be said to be suffering from German measles. Instead, newspapers started reporting outbreaks of Liberty Measles. Liberty Measles! Even Dachshunds weren't safe, and during the war, the little dogs became known as Liberty Pups. You mean Dachshunds? Dachshunds? Sure, go ahead. One of us has German ancestry. I think that's true. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, all of it's true. So I guessed it correctly. Drink, bitch! Good job. Follow-up question to that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, I gave you the point. That's a mistake. (laughs) Yeah! Uh, follow-up question to that bonus question, which you will not have seen quests coming. Jägermeister oh. was renamed Liberty Scotch. <laughs> what do you reckon? I love that. I just want to see if like, they have it big, like, established in 1937. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're saying Jägermeister. You're saying a couple of things. Here. I'm saying Jägermeister. No, you're saying several. Jägermeister was yeah. renamed Liberty Scotch. But that also implies that Jägermeister has been around since 1917. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Doesn't it taste like this has been around since yeah, 1917? It really does. <laughs> Good on you for raiding the World War One Museum. <laughs> Liberating. I love Liberty it. Scotch. I can't believe you didn't like it. Like I like that. it. I like it. I just don't enjoy the after. I don't oh, enjoy the syrupy I love gunk it. in my mouth. Also, I don't like it because if because uh, like like the more German. I drink, well, the, the more I drink, the more I want to like go to a um, go to like Burning Man and like show my tits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you're not getting that feeling. No, no, um, no. Um, I'm gonna call bullshit on that. <laughs> yeah, it's fake. That's good though. I like that. Yeah, worth a try. Liberty one was, point. What was it? Liberty Scotch. Liberty Scotch. One point, Brian. Well done. Okay, my turn for us to ask a question. The Germans first solved the problem of trench warfare. They figured out how to like conquer trench warfare. I'm gonna need a little bit more. All right, ask a follow-up. I mean, as it stands, that sentence makes no sense. I'm sorry. They conquered. The problem of trench warfare. They figured out how to break through trench defense. What What was the problem of trench warfare, okay. if I might? Launching a successful attack. So if you had like a heavily fortified trench, yep. often what they would do is they'd like pound one particular section of the trench and then send men through and it was mm-hmm. relatively easy to defend. It was like a defender's tactic because then you could just sort of send your reinforcements to that trench 
what the Germans figured out to do was just to bombard all along a trench but with less and less and less and make it less obvious where the main force of the assault was aimed at so that the defending enemy didn't really know where to send their resources so they and where they should give up. Yeah, they'd <laughs> they spread, spread the attack, attack. Yeah, on a trench, which meant that they didn't totally destroy one section like traditional trench warfare did. Right. But instead they would like destroy quite a lot of it. And then they'd still concentrate their attack on one section, but by spreading out the attack, it was harder for the enemy to know where they was, should send reinforcements and mm-hmm. which section they should just abandon. The Germans, you say? Yeah, they figured it out. Well, I mean, I one, one, one needs to really sit back and think about this. One? One needs to sit back one. and think about this. All right. I will let one do that. <laughs> I mean, Feel free to were, the, were the Germans even in World War One? First question. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this nonsense from the very first word? Germans. No, but I'm actually focusing on that because I think I know the real answer. Okay. So you think it's false? I think it was the Russians. Fuck you. Mm. Uh, fuck you. It was the Russians. It was the Russians. So launching... I'm going to bring that back over here. Why? Because uh, this is important. Uh, <laughs> launching a successful attack against a heavily fortified enemy trench was one of the most difficult problems facing military commanders on both sides. Barbed wire and machine guns gave a considerable advantage to the defender. Even if an attacker did break through, the attacking force usually ran out of steam just as the defenders brought up reinforcements. The man who solved the conundrum was Russian General Alexei Brusilov, who in 1916 launched a massive offensive against the Austrians in coordination with the British and French attack on the Somme. Brusilov realized that offensives on the Western Front were too heavily (coughs) concentrated. Do you mind? Yeah, say it again. Um, Sorry, sorry. Offensives on the Western Front were too heavily concentrated on trying to punch a hole through the enemy line at a particular point, so the enemy knew exactly where to send their reinforcements. By attacking over a much larger area, Brusilov was able to hide the direction of his main attack from the Austrians, so they never knew which points to reinforce and which to abandon. Of course, Brusilov's approach needed the sort of numbers that were the Russian army's specialty, and after its initial success, the attack petered out because the supply system for food and ammunition couldn't cope. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. You got that right. It was the Russians. Well, I knew it. What well, I did was... You guessed correctly. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, we all know that World War One resulted in the creation of Finland, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. We, we all know that. We all know <laughs> Which uh, emerged from the fragmented remains of other crumbling empires. A far lesser known fact is that another nation emerged from the ashes of war, albeit a very short-lived country. It lasted a mere four and a half months. Christened Santa Land... It was located on a 500-mile stretch of the northwest coast of Sweden. Incidentally, the word Santa simply means new in Swedish and should not be mistaken as a whimsical reference to Father Christmas. One of the more notable aspects... You can't look shit up on your phone either. No. One of the more notable aspects of Santaland was its penal code. As a reaction to the horrors of war, Santaland law made any act of aggression punishable by... I'm going to mangle this. Uh, Hugenlug. A difficult-to-translate Swedish word which roughly means love hugs. The offender would be made to spend up to five hours a day, depending on the severity of the crime, 
walking through the streets of Santaland's capital city, El Foam, El Foam, I don't know, uh, hugging strangers. The law proved unwieldy, however, as many of the huggies understandably reacted to being hugged by some random stranger with aggressive slaps, punches, or shoves, all considered illegal and thus subject to Hugenlugen in their own right. The Santa Land Parliament officially dissolved in April of 1919, and the land was ceded back to Sweden. Well, 1919. Yeah. It lasted, the, the whole, the, the duration of that country was four and a half months. Okay. I just have like, I'll use my question for that. <laughs> okay. Why was Santa Land dissolved? Like, how, like how, how was it decided to dissolve? Did the inhabitants decide to dissolve it? Or did the Swedish government, like, I'll let you answer the question, open-ended. Okay. I think, th- I think what happened was, I think that they couldn't get their act together. Like, they couldn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, there was not a lot of information about that. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Hugenlugan. Hugenlugan, yeah. Look, I want, I want to get this right. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. New information just coming. New information coming. just coming. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't know. Can I? I can say that. I don't yeah, know. Don't this, know. this, there's not a lot of fuck. Yeah, like I said, right. I mean, I scoured. I, I was like, oh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Northwest coast of Sweden. I still think it's false. Do you? World War One falsehood. Final. Why answer. though? Why? Because you sold too hard. Oh, I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation. That's yeah. normally my thing. Yeah, yeah. Normally, it's my thing to butcher a pronunciation, and you just like. Push too hard. Oh, whoops. How embarrassing. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. <laughs> and you did it. The first time you did it, I was like, I already thought it was a lie. But when the first time you did it, I was like, nice touch. By the time you got to like Hugenlugan. No, by the time you got to the capital city. Oh, and you did this whole thing where you're like, oh, oh, I don't know if I can even pronounce this. You did this whole act about the capital city of Santaland. And I was like, oh, definitely fake. That's my final answer. Do you not? I mean, Swedish is... You don't know Swedish. This is I don't need to know Swedish. Yeah. I need to be able to read you. Damn it. And I've read you as a liar. You should have a fucking screen. It's in fact a lie. Yeah. Damn it. All right. Well, I don't want this yeah. to because I, I do actually have some genuinely weird ones. Yeah, I bet. But I'm just calling that true. one out. Yeah, sure. So I don't want this to be like, oh, that sounds unbelievable. There's no way that can. Well, you know, what? Just, I, I do want you to do that. that was, I want you to yeah, get it I was going to say, why are you, you suddenly on my team? That was 100% just your delivery that I called it. Before gas masks were invented. Reading you. Yeah. Like a book. Before gas masks were invented, soldiers on the front used cloth, often an old sock or a sack, uh, and they soaked it in their own urine, and that was their gas mask. They just peed into a sock, and they used that as a gas mask. Was it only their urine that would work? (laughs) <laughs> uh, actually it turns out anyone's urine are you, is effective are you stating that as a fact yeah just because i know about basic science so let me get this straight you're in the trench mm-hmm. it's world war one yeah because otherwise it'd be weird to be in a trench <laughs> funny that's, that's why i make the big bucks you don't have a gas mask is that what happened yeah you, you don't you, have you, a gas mask they haven't been invented yet oh, they haven't even been invented yet. yeah wait I mean, they haven't been invented yet. Haven't been invented. When were gas masks invented? I don't have the information. <laughs> this is like a congressional hearing. <laughs> I have no recollection of uh, this. Yeah, I've, I did not have sexual relations <laughs> with that woman. You're telling me that gas masks were not invented 
in World War One. At the beginning of World War One. Yeah. Also at the beginning they were. And so gas comes. Piss in a rag. Piss in a rag or sock or a sack. Yeah. Or a t-shirt. Probably uh-huh. probably not a t-shirt. I don't think they had t-shirts. They didn't have t-shirts. Oh, that's a good question. When were t-shirts in them? question. Fine, guys, Dan. Yeah, that's true. Fuck you. I knew it was true the whole time. Oh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> Brian's on eight, Joe's on seven. Yeah. We know. I didn't want to say it. Okay. The quantity of cow intestines used in manufacturing zeppelins was so enormous that the making of sausages was temporarily outlawed in Germany and allied parts of nations that they'd conquered. Did Jevon really make like a shit ton of Zeppelins during World War One? Is that an official question? It's just a hypothetical. Like a, like a, hmm, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, number one, I don't think Zeppelins were like mass produced. Number two, don't they make sausages out of pig? <laughs> number three, how good is this soup? <laughs> I think that's false. Are you sure? Purely because I don't really have an image of Germany churning out zeppelins they didn't do anything except like make music and stuff god (laughs) max cut (laughs) it out max cut that out please or to really sell that to really sell that though shouldn't that be a set to the tune of cut it out cut it out cut it out max is buying a stay (laughs) oh god Dun, 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 I think we should ditch it. Um, that's true. What? Fuck. Fuck. Fuck, fuck. Fuckity fuck. What? So Germany just made so many Zeppelins? I will read further. It took more than 250,000 cows to produce the bags that held the hydrogen gas in each Zeppelin. Faced with a choice between long-range bombing and sausage, the German war machine chose the former. In total, Germany built 140 Zeppelins. It doesn't seem like that many. Over a year and a half period. Okay. And it was only at the very end of that, toward the end of the war, that allies finally worked out how to shoot them down. <laughs> so for like a year what? and a half, they were, so they, were slow. Like, they were like, yeah, they were fucking shit up for like a year and a half. And the British eventually realized that the, uh, the airships could be destroyed by firing explosive bullets reach the skin, and then allow the hydrogen to mix with oxygen. And just explode the whole thing. Well, and then follow up with incendiary bullets to create an explosion. It took them a year and a half to figure that out. Yeah. Zeppelin. All right. Score is Brian 9, Joe 7. But she's going to make a comeback. The U.S. President, Woodrow Wilson. You remember when he was president? I do. Said the war was executed for economic gain. What was the context? I can tell you that. The context was the war. It was a year after the when the a year after the war ended. Mm-hmm. That's all I can tell you. I presume he was being asked about the war, or he was giving a speech about the war. But he said explicitly that it was for commercial gain. Who was he talking to? I don't know. What was he wearing? Don't know. Probably a red tie. Was it was it him or was it a clone? <laughs> it was him as far as we know. Are you sure about it? As far as the internet tells me. Because this is how you do an investigation. This is how... Sure, yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I'm you... Did I tell you about this? I'm shaking actually, in my boat, my boots. Good. I'm, I'm actually doing a... I'm, I have a side gig now. Uh-huh. Investigative questioning by Brian. Yeah, well, I prefer to I prefer to the term investigative journalist. Okay. Yeah, and so, so there are a lot to journalism about. There's a lot China. to journal. I've been journaling. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, 
Is it called Brian Questions? It's called Brian Thinks About Things and then Brian. answers the thing. Oh, I'm not done. And oh, then answers the things and then writes it down in this book. And it, and then people read it. That's catchy. Yeah. How, how many people have read it so far? Don't fucking you know, right. piss all over my parade. To the balloons? To the balloons. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, true, sure. True why not? False. Sure. Fuck you. That's not, even that, that's not even that amazing. Well, of course he fucking said that. He could have said that it wasn't. He was the president during World War One. You really think he would have said that? Well, that's just Woodrow being Woodrow. That's just Woodrow being Woodrow. Back oh, in the day. You know, Woodrow, he's just been Woodrow. Crazy Woodrow. Woodrow, you get out of that shed now. And you come out and set the table. Ugh. All right. Tables are tables are tables are capitalist inventions, and I don't believe in it. All right, good job. Them. All right, this is my second last question. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, I've got three more. All right, how do I have three more? I don't know. I, I think it's your turn to ask. It's because it's your turn to ask question. Math is math. All right, the Bowles family from Toowoomba, Australia. Yeah, we're on an. Napoleonic War reenactment holiday in Serbia when the First World War broke out. During the hours following the start of the war, they had no idea an actual war was being fought, thinking instead that the organizers of their trip had pulled out all the stops to make their vacation as memorable as possible. Said James Bowles, 55-year-old patriarch. Can I do an accent? Yeah. You're really good at it. <laughs> so we checked into a hotel on a Tuesday night at Brecky. And as we were tucking into a lovely spread of avo and toasties in the hotel cantina, my wife Marjorie tugs on me sleeve. Says, oh look, the recreation's already begun. I look out the window and there are just heaps of men in uniform, I don't know, around about 20, firing on a group of punters playing croquet out on the lawn. Well, I'll tell you at the time, all I could think was, fair dues, that looks alright. We're getting our money's worth this year, aren't we, love? The family apparently finished their meal strode out onto the veranda and applauded every time one of the, what they thought were the actors was shot down, was shot out on the field in front of them. James's daughter, Chastity Bowles, age 19, being a keen sharpshooter, she had been a member of the Toowoomba Skeet Shooting Club since she was nine, spotted a discarded rifle on the lawn. Calmly walking across the bloodstained grass, actual bullets flying all around her, she retrieved the rifle, returned to her family, and methodically took down 10 of the uniformed soldiers, causing the remainder to flee. James relates how, Oh, but we was quite proud of our little girl. True blue she is. Of course, we thought the whole thing was staged, didn't we? It wasn't until the enemy retreated and we went back inside and flicked on the telly that we realized what was actually happening. I can tell you we were absolutely devo about the situation. The Bowles family spent the duration of the war holed up in the hotel with the surviving guests and staff. After the war, Chastity Bowles received a Serbian Medal of Honor for routing the first wave of German soldiers and saving the hotel. Amazing It's fucking story. crazy. That is fucking insane. I'm just glad finally you have an interesting lie. <laughs> you Wait, what? Yeah, that's a falsehood. What? Yeah, I think that's false. You said Avo on toast. So what kind of affluent Australian family not only is going on holidays to Serbia 
1914. I don't fucking know. I'm just saying it didn't happen. Then they're having avocado on toast. And then somehow they're watching a reenactment. The daughter decides to go pick up a gun and start shooting at the actors and killing them. She didn't know that they were. She thought they were. She thought the gun wasn't real. Yeah, right. And so she just thought the actors just knew when she was aiming at them, and they would know just to die on the spot. I don't know. This is what they. This is this is false. Interesting though. More interesting than your other lie. Very well written <laughs> lie. What's the answer? Let me ask you this: What are the chances that I'm gonna fucking be able to know all that? I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna fucking write that. <laughs> you have quite an imagination, Brian. I think it's flattering to you that I think you wrote that. That I know you wrote that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dead heat. That was fun to write. That. Well done. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny and interesting, just not believable. Okay, my second last question. I've got two more, by the way. Yeah. All right, so do you. <laughs> that's what second to last means. My God, we're good. The Gallipoli campaign. You know about the Gallipoli yes, campaign? I do. The withdrawal effort, the, you know what a withdrawal effort, the withdrawal effort of the Gallipoli campaign uh, was such a disaster that it is commemorated every year by Australians and New Zealand soldiers. True. Straight true? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well done, but you're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so happy with I'm how happy that went. I'm happy to lose that one. Yeah, yeah. I said that was such fucking error. Yeah, it was so, true. True. Uh, so the arrival on the beaches of Gallipoli oh, was a disaster. I said the withdrawal, and then I confirmed twice, and you're oh, like, yeah, 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 withdrawal. All right. All right. Uh, the 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 arrival was a disaster, <laughs> right. and yes, that is commemorated every year. The arrival is commemorated. The arrival because it was such a disaster, like it was a massacre. <laughs> but the withdrawal was one of the few things that went well for the Allies during the Gallipoli campaign. And I'll yeah. read on; it's fucking interesting. It. Yeah, 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 for sure. Historians often criticize the Allied generals for acting incompetently throughout the Gallipoli campaign, yet they did get one thing right. As they gradually evacuated the peninsula in December 1915 and January 1916, they ordered the troops to bring in empty supply boxes, leave up extra tents, light extra cooking fires, continue, continue fighting artillery, firing artillery, and even put helmets on sticks to exaggerate their numbers. They basically wanted to, like, hide the fact that they were evacuating. As the numbers in the trenches were thinned, rifles were rigged to fire by water dripped into a pan attached to the trigger. Mm. So I had water dripping into a pan and then it would eventually be firing rifles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Such trickery helped prevent the Ottomans from understanding exactly what was happening until it was too late to press their advantage. During the entire evacuation process, they inflicted virtually no casualties, much to the pleasant astonishment of the Allied forces' newly installed top commander, who had estimated losses of 30 to 40%. Pretty much no one died during the withdrawal. Really? Yeah. Okay, my last thing, my last fact. Yeah. The present day location of the Eiffel Tower is actually 10 miles southwest from where it was originally constructed in 1889 and where it stood for 20 years. False. 
All right. I mean, I'm fine. I'm, I'm happy to accept that. Oh, now he says it. <laughs> I'm happy to accept that. Is that your final answer? If I was wrong, you would have accepted it straight away. False. I'm accepting it. The Eiffel Tower was never moved. If that's your final answer, that's I'm my final happy answer. I bet you are, but it's my final answer. Is it? Yep. If I was wrong, you wouldn't have given me a second chance. I'm gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. Now you're just drawing it out to embarrass me. <laughs> to embarrass myself. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm accepting that answer. You said false. Uh huh. Okay. All right. That's your answer. Yep. No matter what I say next. Yep. That's your answer. Yep. Are you prepared for that? Correct. No matter Correct. what I say. My full towel has never moved. I've seen photos of it being built. Good. Great. <laughs> Is it a butt? For one of us. Oh, okay. Okay. You yep. said false. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll give you more information. Mm-hmm. Aerial bombing technology was in a very primitive state at the time of the war. Mm-hmm. True or false? True. Hmm, Primitive compared to 2019, sure. <laughs> and planes couldn't support massive payloads, so pilots didn't have the luxury of fancy navigational technology. True. True. Oh, that too. <laughs> Most bombing runs were conducted by pilots looking out the windows and identifying prominent landmarks. True. Hmm. Wow, the Jews are stacking up. Yep. The French government in 1917 dismantled the Eiffel Tower and moved it to an uninhabited stretch of marshland 10 miles southwest of the capital. Why would you build something as big as the Eiffel Tower on marshland? The dismantling and subsequent reconstruction of the tower was both a massive engineering feat and a marvel of subterfuge. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well. Hold on. All right. The entire endeavor took less than a week. In order to round out the deception, faux buildings, roads, and parks were rapidly manufactured around the tower. At one point, Paris's premier mannequin designers stocked the false city with over 300 lifelike wooden people. Wow. To round out the deception. Okay. Despite the enormous effort of diverting German bombers to this fake city, the complicated scheme was ultimately unsuccessful. Yeah, because Germans found out about it, that it wasn't real. How did you think they found out about it? No, that's true. You're right. Right. Uh, I think it was a plan. It never actually happened. Oh, come on. And that Germans found out because they had spies. No, that's not why, actually. Oh, because their big balloons were watching the whole thing? No. Marsh birds. <laughs> Marsh birds began nesting on the heads of the mannequins, thus alerting the enemy that things were not as they seem. So they're flying... So, so above, like they're flying up in the air, yeah, and they can see birds nesting in the hair of wooden mannequins. They were pink birds. All right, uh, false. One final fact. Uh huh. Fact. You notice I said sure, that. yeah, I know. You notice I said that. Yeah. Ironically, but you know it's true because <laughs> they ironically has been used. <laughs> ironically, because Germany saw through the roof so quickly. The area around the tower remained relatively pristine. They didn't actually bomb that area. That's the like, people moved in. And then that's where, that's, that's actually Now that's where, where the new area is. Yeah. On marshland where there's shitloads of birds. They killed the birds after the war. False. God damn it. Here's the thing, man. <laughs> I tried really hard. You did a good job. Just create... 
Like you did Un- a good job. Hudson <laughs> <laughs> Gin and Tonic, that was a really good job. Did you write that or was that one of those things that's like online as a I as wrote a all myth? of this. Well, wow. I wrote every, everything I made up, I wrote. Yeah. Did you make up the birds and the marshland mm-hmm. and everything? Well, that's really good. You are really good at writing lies. That's what this whole game is showing because yours are really convincing. I'm just clever. And yet you never voted for any of them. Yeah, that's Other than the blackface juice, <laughs> which I will still still take as a victory. Yeah. And what does it say about me? No, what is um, No, that's, yeah, but I'm really <laughs> smart, so it's hard for you. These are really good lies. Basically, you did a great job. God damn. Okay. On that piece of paper, yeah, yeah. I want you to write one word to describe World War One. And I'm going to do the same. We have to guess the other person's word. And we keep guessing until one of us gets it right. Yeah, babe. No, 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 no. I'm not not doing it. Yes, we are. It'll be more fun. It'll be more fun. Please, please, in the name of fun. I'm still going to win. Come on, write it down. (laughs) No. Okay, swap words. Close it. Hold on to it. Okay. And we're going to shout words back and forth. And if you guess it correctly, I will tell you, and then you wait. But I don't. I don't want to say my word. No. Obviously. No. You, Bloody. You, no. Horrific. Nasty. Barbaric. Unfriendly. <laughs> Violent. Impolite. Controversial. Two hours later. <laughs> Long. A fun Friday night. <sighs> So three, two, one, word. That's three, two, one, works. word, and then we have to say the other person's word. Yeah, the first person to pick up on it. Okay. Three, two, one. Futile. Cass. Futile. Cass. Fuck you. Fuck you so much. You Fuck didn't you. say that you had to say it out loud. You're right. You win. Well, what was the word? Cass. Chaos. Fuck. Yeah, good word. Futile. I feel like I won that sillily. Yeah, but you win. It doesn't right. fucking matter because you got 37 points to my nine. <laughs> um, I'll give you $1,000, but we did not agree to the time or the content, like the the way in which I'm to pay you $1,000. You didn't lose. Yeah, you just won that round. No, no, but I was so far behind. What do you want to call it? I'm not winning that round. On- <clears throat> I was I was on fucking around. Yeah. So you're not winning the round. On- I'm not, not going to win that round. On that. You won. Yeah, nice one. How good is dessert? I know. Oh. Uh, peaches are so good. Yeah, I feel like are. peaches is such a crowd pleaser. Yeah. So that was great. That was the World War One. Um, World War One episode. Holiday special. Let's do World War Two next week. Okay. Same same thing, but different. Same same, but different. Uh, Brian, my sugar fact for this evening. Yeah, yeah, sure. Scientific studies in humans do not support the hypothesis that sugars may be psychologically addictive or physiologically addictive. Scientific studies in humans do not support the idea that sugar is physiologically addictive. They haven't proven the link yet. Really? Yep. And yet? We tell each other that sugar is addictive. Huh. So things like craving, continuing use despite negative consequences, trying to quit but not managing to, right. tolerance and withdrawal, they're all there when it comes to sugar. So it appears sugar might have addictive qualities, Yeah. but there's no concrete evidence that links sugar with an addiction and withdrawal system in humans currently. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So are you saying that we should overindulge in sugar? I'm just saying you might feel addicted to sugar. Right. But we haven't yet proven the same link as like fucking heroin. Right. But we talk about it now as if it's As if, yeah, yeah. So I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're saying is eat more sugar. And over, over, overindulge in, for example, whipped cream on peaches. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and uh, I think the spoon does. I think oh, the spoon yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, that's that's, that's good news. That's great news. Yeah. That's great news. What's your sugar fact? Okay. So, uh, forget. For, did, hey, do you got a hangover? Yeah. Always. Good. What do you do normally for a hangover? Cry. Pop. Cry? Cry. Wish I lived somewhere where I could get pizza delivered mm. and oh, think about my life choices. You're barking up the wrong tree. What? Yep. Here's what you do for a hangover. Yeah. What? Shall spoonful we? of honey. Just a spoonful of yeah. honey. Helps the or maybe a, Or maybe a... Go p- down. Just a spoonful of honey makes the hangover go away. Go away. A spoonful of honey makes the hangover go away. So you just take a spoonful of uh, honey. Well, well, that's what I'm going to be doing. Fructose. Oh, it's like Coca-Cola. You could also just take a spoonful of pineapple. Or oranges. You can eat a pineapple. You can just eat a pineapple. Right. Eat a pineapple. If so if sugar it, like combats the hangover, it reduces. It, you know what it does? It slows down the uh, alcohol metabolism. All right, pineapple. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, where can they find us, Joe? Um, they can definitely find us on Podbean and Spotify. Where mm-hmm. else, Brian? Oh, you mean other than those two? Yep. They can find us on Whippy Whip Whippy Fun. Whippy fun. Whippy fun. I keep forgetting about that channel. Yeah, yeah. Whippy fun and um, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> I just love the sass as you're like spooning peaches and cream into your mouth. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Don't call us, we'll call you. Um, and thanks for uh, participating in the quiz. Um, <laughs> Cody. Fun time for three people. <laughs> That's where they can contact us. It's a and long one. Boxesnotbreakdowns.com. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. This has thanks, been episode guys. 15. Episode 15. Um, World War One, kind of a tragedy. Sorry we made so much fun about it. <laughs> but we didn't live through it. Yeah. We'll try and make less fun of World War Two next week. That's a better one. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. See you next week, guys. And as always. Find us on FaceFax. And like us in real life. On FaceFax. Like us in a bowl of cream and sugar. (laughs) And have honey for that hangover, guys. Why are you listening to us when you're hungover? It's got to be depressing. I like how we just click into the fact that we're doing a podcast in the last, like, 30 seconds. This whole time is just being you and me hanging out. Right.